All right, so uh, we have been going through 1 Samuel. And uh, if you've got a Bible in front of you, you might want to open up to 1 Samuel chapter 13. And I'm going to help myself to a drink because it's a dry heat. Bless it. Gave Dave the time he needed to clean up. <laughs> All righty. Um, so, if you've been with us, Samuel was anointed king over Israel. And he started off really good. Uh, victory, first battle. He um, kept his soldiers from killing those who didn't want him to be the king. Uh, he was filled with the spirit of God. He was brave. It looks like we got ourselves a good king. But it did not last very long. He has to go back to battle. And I don't know what happened to the bravery that man had in the last chapter. But he lost it somewhere between here and there. I've never been to battle. Uh, I've never been in the military. And I hope never to be in battle. I know sometimes when people are faced with battle, they're petrified. Sometimes people are really gung-ho. They can handle it. Chapters 13 and 14, which we're going to be looking at today, we're going to see both sides. We're going to see fear resulting in failure and faith resulting in success. But um, to kind of get us in the, in the mood and to give you the idea of where we're heading, I've got a video clip I want you to see. Let's take a look. I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. A day may come when the courage of men fails, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day. An hour of wolves and shattered shields when the age of men comes crashing down. But it is not this day. This day we fight. By all that you hold dear on this good earth, I bid you stand, men of the West! And here they come, thousands upon thousands of orcs, ready to beat the small army. But are they scared? No, because Aragorn's their leader. And he got the brave going in them. Does that pump you up? Does a clip like that excite you, or am I the only one? I'm like, I'm ready to go to war now, yeah. Ah, this is good stuff. Fear equals failure. I like the way the clip started out, this guy with his eyes darting, like he was, he was ready to run. And then the leader comes out. He goes, I see it in your eyes. Uh-uh, not today. And he got them all pumped up. You got to go see the movie if you haven't. Rent the DVD. It's an awesome... These are the three best movies that have come out since, like, Ben-Hur. I mean, these are amazing movies. And really, the whole Lord of the Ring trilogy, it's an allegory. It's biblically oriented. You've got to look for it, but it's, it's easy to find once you look for it. And these guys were brave, and they had God on their side, and they won. 
but I'm not going to tell you any more than that. You've got to go see it because it's astounding. So, great topic for Father's Day. This is a, really a man-up kind of lesson, but I think there's something in here for the ladies too. So, Saul is getting ready to go to battle. 1 Samuel 13. The Philistines assembled to fight Israel with... Now, this version says 3,000 chariots, but the one I prefer says 30,000 chariots. A chariot back in those days was like the modern equivalent of a tank and a troop transport. So he's just trying to tell us how amazingly impossible the odds are in this battle. The Philistines assembled to fight against Israel with 30,000 chariots, 6,000 chariot or horsemen, soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And when the men of Israel saw their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and bushes among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. All the troops were quaking with fear. Fail. Fear equals failure. Now listen, in normal circumstances, you're outnumbered a thousand to one. It's not stupid to be afraid. You should hide in the bushes. That's not a bad thing in normal circumstances. But these are not normal circumstances. Fear with Israel, and as we'll see later with believers, is the opposite of faith. Because listen to what God told them. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, you will pursue your enemies, and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred, a hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. God made them a promise. They did not have to fear any enemy. So why did they? Because of faithlessness. Their fear, they feared because they didn't trust God. They failed because they didn't have faith. And they had no excuse. They had already had a remarkable victory. They knew God was with them. What were they thinking? I don't know. So Saul had already made arrangements with Samuel the prophet. On a certain day, Samuel said he'd come, he'd pray, he'd offer sacrifice, and all would be great. That day had come. Saul hadn't shown up. I mean, Samuel hadn't shown up. So Saul, the king, says, well, if Samuel's not here, I'll just have to make the sacrifice myself. Well, dude, you're king. You're not a priest. You're not allowed to make sacrifices, and you know it. Well, Samuel's not here. Somebody's got to do it. So... He offers up the sacrifice, and guess who comes right around the corner when he finishes up? The prophet Samuel. So Saul said, well, Samuel didn't show up. He should have said, yet. The day's early, man. Give the guy some time. He said he'd be here. Wait. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the prophet. Sometimes we just jump the gun. We get prematurely freaked out, and then we do stupid things like Saul did. He knew only the priests could offer sacrifice, but he was really scared, really wanted God's favor. And of course, if you really want God's favor, the best thing to do is disobey God. That makes I mean, People don't think straight when they're in sin. 
So he offers a sacrifice. Samuel shows up. Samuel's got something to say about it. Here's what he says. You acted foolishly. You've not kept the command of the Lord your God. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people. Saul, had he demonstrated faith, would have had an eternal dynasty. You realize Jesus Christ is the king of the world. He's the king of Israel, and he's a descendant of King David. The promise that could have been Saul's was given to David. He has an eternal dynasty. Saul blew it. He lost on one of the greatest blessings of human history because he acted in faithlessness and in fear. Fear makes people do stupid things. Fear makes us do stupid things. Listen to what God says about fear. Hear me. You who know what is right, you people who have my law in your hearts, do not fear the reproach of men or be terrified by their insults. And then another chapter. The Lord spoke to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. He said, don't call conspiracy everything these people call conspiracy. Don't fear what they fear. And don't dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you're to regard as holy. He's the one you're to fear. He's the one you're to dread. All right, so two things. He says, don't fear what people usually fear. Don't fear people and their schemes. Don't fear people, but fear God. And Jesus said the same thing. He said, don't be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. I tell you who you should fear. Fear him who could destroy both soul and body in hell. Yes, fear him. Well, wait a minute. I thought God loves us and we love God and God is good and nice and kind and gracious. Why would anybody want to fear God? Fear, the way we understand the word, is always associated with the negative. And yet the Bible says plainly, fear God. So obviously there's something about that word fear we don't fully grasp. Because to us, fear is always a bad thing. But obviously, it's not always a bad thing, because God is always good, and we're told to fear him. So how can the definition of fear be such that it's often a bad thing, but sometimes a good thing? I came up with a definition that I think will work, so you can understand how it can be both. Fear means that we're made uncomfortable and influenced to behave in a certain way because of possible negative consequences. All right? So, we fear people. Why do we fear people? Because they can hurt us. Thugs can beat us. Robbers can rob us. They can hurt us physically. Even people we love can hurt us emotionally. And so we're afraid to behave in a certain way. Otherwise, somebody might treat us poorly. We might even compromise our standards so that we don't get hurt. People can hurt us physically. People can hurt us emotionally. People can hurt us economically. They can sue you. They can fire you. They can hire you. They can leave you an inheritance. And the fear of economic hurt causes us to behave in a certain way. So we fear people. We shouldn't fear people, but we do fear people because of the hurt. We fear the unknown. 
monsters. We don't even know if they exist, but we're scared to death of them. Aliens, UFOs. I'm not afraid of UFOs. I'm not afraid of aliens. At least not the extraterrestrial kind. Why do we fear ghosts, monsters, aliens? Because they might hurt us. We don't even know if they exist, but if they do, they can hurt us. Ah, so we're scared. We're scared of people. We're scared of the unknown. We're scared of disasters and diseases. Why? Again, they can hurt us physically, emotionally, economically. We don't like pain. We will do lots of things to avoid pain. We will compromise our integrity. People will risk their souls to avoid pain. Now, that's just stupid. But we do it. That's how we are. No one wants to be hurt. Fear of people leads to wrong decisions. Fear of people leads to bad consequences. Fear of God means we'd rather disappoint people than him. Fear of God means we'd rather choose physical discomforts and risks when necessary rather than spiritual discomforts and risks. Fear of God means we honor God first in our lives. That's what it means. He's first. If it's God or this, it's always God first. That's what it means to fear God. As a believer, that's what it means to fear God. As a non-believer, yes, he's scary. Because he can destroy both body and soul in hell. You know, and there's just something about his awesomeness. Awesomeness scares people. Have you ever been, I don't know, you turned on the radio and you didn't expect that your three-year-old had turned it up to 500? And you turn it on and you go, bam! And you, you just go like that. How many of you have heard a, a, a loud, no, loud noise once and it really freaked you out? Let me see your hands. Yeah. Why? That's just primal. We don't have time to think something's going to hurt me. It just it stuns our senses and freaks us out. Anything that stuns our senses has an automatic reaction that we call fear. Well, if there's anything that could ever stun your senses, it's God. He is awesome. He's not bad, but he is a huge sense stunner because <laughs> he's amazing. So in a good way, there's the fear of God because we don't want to disappoint him. We choose to honor him above all things. In a bad way, there's a fear of God. If you don't honor God, he can send you to hell. And he's a sense stunner. He's an amazing, awesome, powerful being whose presence we cannot even handle. Fear equals failure unless it's fear of God. Then it equals success. But general fear is failure. And it doesn't come from God, general fear, either. Listen to what the Bible says. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. When I say us, I'm talking about those who are filled with God's spirit, God's children. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us power. There's a great verse to memorize when it comes to fear. Just a part of it. It says, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. If there was one verse about fear to memorize, it'd probably be that one. God told ancient Israel, he said, fear not, 
I am with you. I am your God. Let nothing terrify you. I will make you strong, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Okay, I get it. Fear equals failure. We're not supposed to fear. We're supposed to trust God. Saul lost his inheritance, and he lost his way, and he lost his kingdom, and eventually he lost his life because of fear and faithlessness. But Steve, they outnumbered a gazillion to one. Yeah, but so what? It doesn't matter when God's on your side how many numbers there are. Don't you remember? You will pursue your enemies. They'll fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred. A hundred of you will chase 10,000. And your enemies will fall by the sword before you. Problem is, Saul did not believe that. But his son, Jonathan, did believe it. So Jonathan was looking around and watching everybody hiding. And he was saying, this isn't right. He said, we've got God on our side. Numbers don't matter. Why didn't his dad know this? Jonathan did, and he talked to his armor bearer. In war back in those days, they fought in a buddy system, uh, especially the leadership. So one guy would be out front whacking down the enemy. The guy behind would do the cleanup work because if the guy up front knocks somebody down, he may be down but not dead, and you don't want to turn your back on somebody that's down and not dead and fight the other guys, so your buddy would make sure the guy that was down stayed down, and then you could keep fighting. So there was Jonathan and his armor bearer, his cleanup guy, his partner in battle. So Jonathan said to his partner, let's go check out the Philistines. Pick a fight. You understand, everybody in his army is hiding. There's so many Philistines, they can't count them. So we're talking, what, million? I mean, they just counted their last army of 330,000, no problem. So this is a huge number. And Jonathan says, let's go pick a fight. God's on our side. We got nothing to worry about. You and me, Boa, let's go. And his armor bearer said, let's go. So they went over there and said, here's what we'll do to make sure God's on our side. We'll show ourselves to the Philistine encampment. And if they say, come on over here, we'll teach you a lesson, we'll go. We know God's with us. But if they say, stay there, and we'll come over to you, then we'll know God's not with us. And his armor bearer said, I'm in. Let's do it. Two Aragorns. Brave guys. They go over there and they stand up. All five foot five of them, 150 pounds of toughness. And the Philistines said, hey, look, the Jews are calling out of their bushes. Finally got your tail out from between your legs. Come on over here. We'll teach you a lesson. Yeah, God's with us. Let's go. And they went. <laughs> And they attacked the outpost. And after these two guys killed about 20 of them, all the other guys, just, they ran. They were scared of them. They couldn't win. They knew something wasn't right. And then God shook the earth and thundered upon them and freaked them out. And the whole army began to flee. Jonathan is chasing millions of guys. It's, oh man, to see that on video, I die for it. Hilarious. Now, word gets to Saul. As Saul was speaking to the priest, the confusion in the Philistine camp kept getting worse. Then he and his men marched into battle against the Philistines. Now they're brave. Now that the guys are running. 
They were fighting each other in complete confusion. So the Philistines, were just, they turned on each other. They had freaked out. It was pure chaos. They were just fighting anybody near them, beating each other up. Others who had been hiding in the hills of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were running away, so they joined in and attacked the Philistines. And the Lord saved Israel that day. I want to tell you something. Fear is contagious. Faith is also contagious. Which one do you want to be influenced by? Which one do you want to spread? You know, there's always that first guy who drops his sword and runs. And there's always that first guy who says, oh, we can take on a million guys, no worries. God's on our side who can stand against us. Sounds like some, songs to a song, uh, some words to a song we sang. If God is for us, who can be against us? Trusting to God leads to victory. Fear equals failure, faith equals success. Now, please understand, they had a special agreement with God. God promised them protection. Don't you go attack a million peoples and get disappointed when you get struck dead if God didn't tell you to do it. You're up in heaven say, what happened? God said, what happened? You went to war against a million people. That was stupid. I didn't tell you to do that. But if God tells you to do it, man up and go. You got nothing to worry about. So I've explained to you, I think, pretty, pretty much what fear is all about and a little bit about what faith is. But let me give you a fuller example of faith. Let's say you're on an airplane and it's stormy weather and the airplane gets struck by lightning. And all of a sudden, the lights go out, the engine noise quits, and the plane goes like this. You know, books hit the ceiling, people who aren't strapped down, they're on the ceiling. I mean, you are dropping and you're dropping fast. Immediate gut reaction, freak out and panic. An overload of the senses. But you know, 30,000 feet to ground, you got some time to think. And you remember, hey, wait a minute, I don't have to freak out. The plane's in God's hands. I don't have to worry. Hey, don't worry. Plane's in God's hands. Oh, you don't know God? Well, maybe he'll give me time to tell you about it. Or just sit there and enjoy the ride. Whee! That's faith. Faith doesn't mean you're confident the plane won't crash. You have no idea if the plane's going to crash. Faith means you trust God to do what, whatever he wants to do. You trust him. Whatever's good by God is good by you. That's faith. And if it crashes, great. I'll be in heaven. And if it doesn't crash, great. I'll get to my destination. Win-win. I'm good. Really, that's faith. We never know what God's going to do, but we know what God does is good. God's choice is always best. Say, so, well, who wants to die in an airplane crash? Nobody. Who wants to die of cancer? Nobody. Who wants to die of old age? Nobody. Who wants to die? Nobody. But we're gonna. So I want to go out when God calls. Not when I think it's the best and most appropriate time. And if it's on the airplane, it's on the airplane. So I told this story yesterday. Somebody came up to me and said, you know that illustration you gave about the airplane? I said, yeah. He said, that was my story. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I was on an airplane coming back from Argentina or something to the United States. We hit a horrible storm. The plane was doing this. People were screaming, panicking, wet in their pants. It was horrible. 
He said, at first I panicked, but then I said, what do I have to worry about? I'm with God. So I was fine. And I started calming the people down next to me. We'll be fine. You know, God's with us. Don't worry about it. Don't panic. It was his story. I said, hey, man, that's cool. I thought I made it up. <laughs> All right. In our lives, faith equals success. Fear equals failure. So I want to help you overcome your fears and live a life of faith. Isaiah 26, 3. Key to doing so. Here's what it says. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You want peace instead of fear? Trust in God. But it says how to do it. Whose mind is stayed on you. Keeping your mind God-oriented is the key here. Because as soon as your mind gets off of God, the fear comes in. Peter sees a ghost walking on the water in the Sea of Galilee. He freaks out. Jesus says, don't freak out, it's me. If it's you, let me come to you, Lord, on a stormy sea. Peter starts getting out of the boat. He walks on the water. Then he sees a wave. And he takes his eyes off of Jesus. He freaks out over the wave and immediately begins to sink. While his mind was stayed on the Lord, he was fine. He kept his eye on God. But as soon as he got distracted, fear jumped right in, and he began to fail. Lord, save me! Jesus grabbed him and said, why did you doubt? The God who knows all things doesn't know why we doubt. Dude, you were walking on water. How could you, like, lose faith in 10 feet? How, how do you do that, Peter? It's a mystery, the greatest mystery in the universe. I created the cosmos. I don't get that. How did you do that? Keep your mind on God. So how do we do that? How do we keep our mind on God? Fill yourself with God's word. Just always have God thoughts running through your head. You know when you're driving to work, what's on the radio? If you're listening to talk radio, you're listening to the fears of everybody else. The economy's failing, the wars and rumors of wars, and, you know, it's going to be hot, and the fires are burning up half the state, and yeah, 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 yeah. That's not going to encourage you. That's going to spread fear. Well, flip the dial over to K-Love or KGMS or KFLT, Family Life Radio. Listen to some inspiring God stuff. I'm not saying stick your head in the sand, but be God-focused, not tragedy-focused. How about reading the Bible regularly? There are a lot of people who know the Bible's good for them, so just read it. And I'm a, a you know, a, a real proponent proponent of setting yourself a goal that you can achieve. I'm going to read the Bible three hours every day all year. Yeah, you're going to fail in a week, and then you're going to feel bad about failing, and then the Bible's going to sit on the shelf because you can't read it for three hours. How about you just put the thing on the toilet and say, every time I sit here, I'm going to read from the book. That's your goal. Anybody can meet that goal. Now, if you're meeting that goal and you like it, step it up. But that's an easy goal. Fill your heart and mind with God thoughts. If you want to keep your mind on God, makes sense to me. Here's what Colossians says. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you're called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach 
and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. So we know we need to pray about everything and not worry about everything. Here it says we need to sing songs of praise and hymns. Turn on Caleb, sing loud, just make sure your window's rolled up. Pull up to a red light and somebody's looking at you like this, just go. Doesn't matter, have fun, sing it out, enjoy. Check this out, fellowship. Did you catch that? That is sharing your life with other Christians. Fellowship is life sharing. It said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body, you're called to peace. We're not called to peace alone. We're called to peace together. You know, when Jesus sent his disciples out, he sent them out in pairs. I can imagine going out alone would have been pretty hard. Let me give you an example. Um, a group of us from Beth Sar Shalom met at a restaurant last week, two weeks ago, uh, to talk about doing outreach in our community. How could we reach the Jewish community for the Messiah of Israel? What can we do specifically to impact Jewish people with the message of Yeshua, Jesus? That's why we had that meeting. Okay? It's not like we've had this meeting before, first time. Public place. We sat down. People are filtering in. There's only about seven of us. Finally, the last person shows up a little late. I said, okay, let's start this meeting. Here's why we're here. What do you all think? I shut up. I'm listening. And right behind me, I hear a foreign language. Hey, that sounds an awful lot like Hebrew. So let me listen a little more and make sure it's not Arabic. Yeah, that's Hebrew. I turn around and said, are you Israelis? Because the guy's sitting right there, you know, uncomfortably close tables. And he goes, yeah. And I greeted him in Hebrew, and I said hi to him, and I told him who we were. We were a congregation of Jewish people and Gentile people who believe Jesus is the Messiah. And he gave me that funny look that Jewish people often give when you say Jews believe in Jesus. And then my buddy whispered over and said, show him Isaiah chapter 53. If you haven't read it, you need to read it. Well, coincidentally, on my brand new phone, I had just uploaded a Hebrew version of the Bible the day before. It was like, do I really want that? It's not like I'm going to sit there and read it in Hebrew. You never know. You might need it someday. All right, I'll put it in there. Sure enough, look at that. He and his wife went like this. They're holding my phone. And you could see that. First, it was that look of disdain on their face. Jews who believe in Jesus. Uh-huh. Now I've heard of everything. Then they're reading Isaiah 53, and their face goes like this. I said, that's strong. I said, I know. And there's a lot more like that. You want to exchange phone numbers and we'll talk about it? He said, yeah. If my guys weren't sitting with me, if I was alone, I would have heard the Hebrew and ignored it. I wouldn't have been brave enough to say anything. But with my buddies right there, I was brave. Brave as a lion. I could say anything. Fear is contagious, but so is faith. So is courage. Courage is also contagious. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you're called to peace. We need each other to be brave and bold. It's not going to do you much good to be one of those kind of people that just shows up to a service once a week and then goes home and faces all your fears, worries, doubts, and pressures without the church to support you, without the body to encourage you. 
You want to walk in courage. You want to be encouraged. Fully immerse yourself in the Christian life. Don't just dance around the edges because it's cool. Jump into the deep end. Get involved in your church. Meet people. Get to know them. Pray for them. Let them pray for you. And next time you're down or something hard is happening, get on the phone with one of your buddies and say, man, I could use some prayer. I'm discouraged. I just lost my job. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. Let me pray for you. And you feel good. And you're ready to take on the day. Make church a priority. Be active in your church. Um, fellowship, like I said, people think it's just hanging out. No, it's sharing in life with one another. Fear equals failure. Faith equals success. And to succeed, we need to turn our failures into faith. So we got the word fail up here. One of the worst words in the human language. It's one of them nasty four-letter words they always told you about. Not a word for us. How do we turn failure into success? Well, we need the cross of Christ in our lives. Let's turn that L into the cross of Christ. Okay, we don't have failure there anymore. But unless you put Jesus on the throne of your life, let's get his throne up there. If we can get the throne of Christ up there, we're good to go. And we can turn failure into faith by putting Christ in the heart of your life. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, thank you for the lessons of Saul and the lessons of Jonathan. And I'm sure all of us have the potential to be either one of those guys. But we would want to be Jonathan. So help us to keep our minds stayed on you that we might have perfect peace and trust in you. And to be so immersed in the Christian life and in the Christian community that we're never alone. And anything bad is never frightening because we've got people who got our backs. Lord, show us the wisdom of obeying your word for our own well-being and not just for ourselves so that we can be there for other people when the time is necessary, that we can be the armor bearer, the guy that goes behind Jonathan to catch his back. Lord, I know there are people out here today maybe listening in on the television, radio, or the internet too who haven't really given their hearts fully to you. And fear is much more of a problem with them. I pray for them, Lord, that you would touch their hearts, that your Holy Spirit would speak softly and call their name, that they might trust your son, Jesus, who looked fear in the eye and went straight to the cross without batting an eye. Lord, thank you for showing us what a true man's like and help us to emulate him and to trust him. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.